From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Americans love television. We watch a lot of it. We elected a TV personality to be president, and he watches a lot of TV. And we like to see ourselves reflected in the shows that we watch. Two very popular shows just wrapped their seasons this month. Roseanne, the comedy on ABC and executive produced and starring Roseanne Barr. And Atlanta on FX, which is stars and is executive produced by Donald Glover. On the surface, they seem pretty different, but they portray very similar cultural and political vibes. Joining me on Political Theater to discuss the connection between these two shows is Clyde McGrady, one of CQ's staff writers and also an avid culture vulture himself and who has written on some of these same issues for CQ magazine. Clyde, welcome to Political Theater. Jason, thanks for having me. Good to be here. It's good to good to have you. So let let's talk a little bit about this. I mean, there, there's a little um, there's a little weirdness, you know, here because when you mention Roseanne and Atlanta, they don't necessarily look like they belong together. Um, Roseanne is a revived uh, popular show. It's on the networks. Um, you know, they brought some characters back to life, like John Goodman's character. <laughs> right. They just sort of glossed over the fact that his character in the original iteration died. Uh, it, Atlanta is about uh, guys trying to make it in the hip hop world. Uh, Donald Glover plays. Earn, who's the manager for his cousin, Paperboy. You know, it, it's about a world that seems pretty far away from the kind of down-at-the-heel suburban area that the Connors and Roseanne live in Illinois. But let's talk about, I mean, you and I have discussed sort of offline, uh, which is that this, the, a lot of the same things that, they, that these shows portray are very similar. Yeah, so on the surface, you wouldn't think these shows have a lot of common, but they do because what they both do is portray the working class in their kind of current desperate economic uh, state. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is, you know, a multi-camera uh, sitcom with a laugh track. And the other... And before a live studio yeah, audience. Before a live studio say, audience. Yes. And one is on cable. It can go minutes without even, you know, telling a joke. Right. And sometimes is it, you know, very funny right. at all. But they're both in that half hour... Um, traditional time slot. Yeah, and, and of course, the, the, the multi-camera, live-in-a-studio audience laugh track uh, right. that you're talking about is Roseanne, right. uh, which, I mean, most people will be, they, hear, they just hear that, like, sort of wailing, and they know that that Roseanne is coming. And then Atlanta, as you said, like, sometimes they'll go five minutes without dialogue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can be a very surreal show. But, again, they both portray these working classes, and obviously Roseanne kind of represents Trump's America. Mm-hmm. Not sure who uh, Donald Glover's character voted for, or they don't even really mention the election at all, mm-hmm. but I would imagine it was not uh, Donald Trump. Well, and, and Earn, Donald Glover's character, is a Princeton-educated... Yes. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess in, in when I was... Uh, when I was your age, we would have referred to Earn as a slacker, uh, <laughs> like somebody who is sort of underachieving, if you will, uh, yes. for, for where his lo- lot in life was, uh, as, as somebody who went to Princeton... Uh, now, I'm not sure what the term is. I think it's it's sort of like gliding a little bit through life. But um, um, I yeah. think some in the Internet parlance, a fail son, maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> he, you know, he goes off to Princeton and drops out and they never actually th- or they haven't addressed it yet in the right. two seasons exactly what those circumstances were. Living in storage facility, bouncing between his and cousins. And he got kicked out of that at one point. Yeah. <laughs> and his parents out. His parents have kicked him out and he's 
living with the mother of his kid at different points. He's kind of vaguely homeless mm-hmm. at times. So, uh, yeah, they they do a good job portraying so, that show. So let's talk about the ending of, of these these shows. I mean, mm-hmm. Roseanne um, had a sort of a short run, um, but but like made a big splash because right. Roseanne Barr came out as a big supporter of Donald Trump. As as a person, she came out as a as a supporter of Donald Trump, and then her character. Um, I mean, this is a big part of the early season, or the even part of the season, where they're talking uh, about like why they voted for for Donald Trump and that he was promising jobs, and uh, that that hasn't let up. I mean, she's gotten a lot of flack from some of her comedian friends, like Bill Maher. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. has, has sort of taken her to task on on her political beliefs. If the jobs don't come back, is she gonna get mad? Isn't that the right, joke that he right, said? Right, right. It, it was, yeah, it was like a, a realistic sort of season two right. arc would be. You know, she she would get upset at Trump, but. It it is it strikes me. I mean, like the the season finale was this week of Roseanne, and you know the the issues that they're dealing with are not just economic insecurity, but like failing health as they age. The the Connors are are forty forty five years into their marriage, so you can they're in their sixties. Their kids have moved back because of their own economic instability. Roseanne is dealing with a a knee injury, a knee problem, and she's not Medicare eligible yet. Uh, so, I mean, she has they're, they're trying to scrape together the money to get a knee replacement because she's in pain. She has started hoarding pills mm-hmm. from from her family and friends, and has developed a a, a, a pain pill, an opioid habit yeah. uh, that's sort of right ripped from the headlines. And then, just as everything uh, seems to be like slightly come together, Dan, uh, uh, her her husband, her long long suffering husband. Uh, you know, he he decides that he's going to underbid on a on a drywall contract. He's a contractor by using um, undocumented workers mm-hmm. uh, and and sort of casting like aside his own union buddies and so forth, which has caused a rift between him and his best friend. Um, their basement floods because of a huge deluge, and it's just it is this moment. Spoiler I mean, alert, yeah, man. yeah. Spoiler it. I mean, and it's a moment like where. Like any sitcom on a major network, there are some clumsy moments and some very obvious moments. But there is this moment where Dan is trying to deal with the water in the basement, and he gets so, like, unbelievably bummed, knowing that like this is a catastrophic event. They don't have flood insurance, and he he just he starts just wailing away on things. And it's just this moment that encapsulates what the show's about. Whoa! Looks like you got leaks somewhere. Leak? I think this basement holds the water pretty good. Well, you know I'd help you out, but you probably found someone cheaper. This is a bad time, Chuck. How about we talk later? I just ran into one of the Gonzalez brothers at Home Depot, and he said you're using his guys on the condo job? Is that true? I was going to tell you. When? After you finish the job? Of course not. Look, I just can't afford you guys. I don't have a choice, man. I got responsibilities. Yeah, right. And I'm still working construction because I like the way I look in the hat. What do you want me to do? Right. Although the show would say that, you know, it's not political, but these are all kind of political problems. Right. You know, flood insurance was a program that was brought about uh, by politics, FEMA. Right. You know, uh, Politics, health insurance—that's right. politics. But that that kind of gets to a, a criticism that I have of the show. Okay. Is that I mean, you've been around politicians for long enough, and you know when they say, "Hey, let's just take the politics out of this," out of the they're show, about right. to get real political. Right. 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 So this the show is uh, heavily uh, 
dipped in politics. And in this final episode, I mean, there's an emergency uh, declaration. Because from, of the flood, right? Because from, of the from, flood. From the president, right. Which is also a political act. And they get, quote unquote, FEMA money. Right. Um, which we were talking earlier, I believe, is a loan, right? FEMA gives out emergency loans. Emergency uh, loans. I mean, they're, they're. I mean, when when a, a place is declared a, an emergency or, or a national disaster area, and so, but there's a, there's a number of ways that you know the, like things get fixed either through loans or grants. The thing is, is that that's what saved the day, right? You know, is, is government intervention. This sort of hints at what a unique figure Trump is in 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 some ways, and how he commands this like, sort of political. Um, following it, which is that he talks very conservatively, but ultimately a lot of the solutions are big government solutions that right. he, that, that his followers are wanting. Whether right. it's whether it's access to cheap health insurance, as you as you stated, or or like any kind of health insurance, for that matter. Whether it's it's money yeah. that can be employed. I mean, Rosanna herself says there's enough now for enough work for legals and illegals, <laughs> and and they keep on coming back to this use of the term illegals. Right. Uh, you know, and and so it's. There's a little bit of dissonance there that right. that like Trump has made draining the swamp and and sabotaging government and and getting rid of the deep state a part of his his um, political belief system and and that of his followers. But ultimately, it's government that kind of rides the rescue in this episode. Right, and to go back to the very first episode of the season, I think I keep wanting to call it the pilot, but I got to remember this is the tenth. This is actually the tenth season right. of Roseanne. But going back to that first episode of the season, she rails against Obamacare and, you know, government handouts, well, you know, FEMA loan or FEMA grant is that's from the government coming from taxpayer money. But it's kind of interesting to see the implication is that they deserve it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, people who maybe don't have health insurance, they don't deserve that protection from the government. And I would argue that is a very uh, incoherent political stance to have. But I think a lot of people's political ideals are very jumbled, right? Uh, in D.C., you know, in journalism, we tend to think of people as having these very neat and tidy kind of mm -hmm. ideologies that line up and are consistent when a lot of the time that is not the case, as exhibited right. by Roseanne's stance at the beginning of the season versus at the end. I don't know if they addressed that contradiction in the episode, though, did they? It didn't seem to me that they addressed that particular, you know, like that there's a dissonance there um, between mm -hmm. needing and, and celebrating government help and also railing against the government. To your point about how things don't neatly line up, one, one of the things that I think is really interesting about both of these shows, and I want to talk to, about Atlanta now and shift to that, is that um, we've got red state America and blue state America <laughs> portrayed here. You know, the Connors live in Illinois, which is a blue right. state, but it's sort of a red area. And it's sort of it, it's endemic of the of the, the the shift, you know, in a lot of Trump supporters that they were union households and, and right. they were blue collar. Uh, but they're they're a, they're red state Americans in a blue state, Illinois. And in Atlanta, Atlanta is a, you know, a blue city. It's a modern, diverse uh, state. The the Democratic Party just uh, selected a black woman to be its mm -hmm. nominee to be governor uh, on on Tuesday evening in the, in the state's primaries, but it is a red state itself. So it's, right. it's 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 interesting that you got like the these two Americas portrayed in in two different ways. One of the reasons I think you and I talk about this stuff a lot is that neither one of us is from you know a coastal elite place ourselves. You're from right. Georgia. Yeah, I'm from South, Arizona, South Georgia, South Georgia, Not even <laughs> Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta is like New York City compared to. 
to where I'm from. And I'm from Cottonwood, Arizona, <laughs> which is about 100 miles north of Phoenix. And even though Phoenix is a you know becoming a metropolitan, yeah. big liberal kind of place, Cottonwood is not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and it has has not been and does not look to be anytime soon. So we we exist in these two different places as well. Right. Um, so let's let's talk about Atlanta. I mean, Donald Glover is. It, it's hard to overstate how like ridiculously like talented and in, in, in weird ways he is. I mean, you know, he is he is a, a singer. Um, uh, he's, he's a rapper. Uh, he rap, raps under the name Childish Gambino. Right. He's an executive producer of his own show. He was a writer for Thirty Rock and Community. He's Lando Calrissian in the new Star Wars movie about Han Solo. I mean, he is big and like yeah, the, he and, just uh, made one of the. More viral music videos right. of the of the year. Right, it wasn't weeks, enough yeah. to wrap this this show, you know, right. to wrap up this second season of, of Atlanta on, <laughs> on May tenth, and you know, like wait for his next series of Emmys. He cut this video, "This Is America," right. which is uh, maybe. I mean, I think Ann Hornaday at the Washington Post said, like, if you really want to see a must see movie, watch this video. Yeah, I mean, like, like if, if, up against Avengers, there's no contest. <laughs> yeah, but this is a must see thing, and it, and it addresses. Um, you know, gun violence in America, and it is, it is such a densely packed four minutes. I mean, I'm still yeah. getting all the references in it. Yeah, he is having quite the moment. And I guess uh, just to you know talk about Donald Glover for a second, I've followed him um, for a while, almost a decade now. It's hard to believe that he's kind of been in the public that long. With Community, uh, which like debuted in 2009, I watched uh, 30 Rock which I think he wrote for in 2007 and 2008. So, yeah, he's been around for a while. And then, obviously, Childish Gambino, he was considered actually pretty corny. And then All he gets yeah, he gets in The Martian. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he has this small role in Magic Mike. And I remember hearing about Atlanta being developed for FX in around, I guess, 2014, 2015. But the show that... Emerge is not what I expected, and right. he, I think, picked up a ton of cultural uh, capital around that. When season two wrapped up uh, for Atlanta, I mean, the the issues that were brought up in that last episode were about education, uh, because he and his in his uh, the mother of his child Van, mm-hmm. they're they're looking at trying to figure out how to pay for private school because their daughter Lottie is like a you know apparently a genius, and the mm-hmm. teachers have come to them and said, "Get her out of this school, whatever you can do." <laughs> I mean, again, they're sort of travails in the music industry, trying to figure out like how to get uh, by hook and crook, you know, if, if you will, uh, including planting a lot of crook. firearms on, on their rifles uh, in in the in line as they go, get to go uh, on tour um, to to try so they can you know they they can get their rival out of the way, you know, this this guy named Clark County. Clark I, County, I, I, I love I, that that character, by the way. And 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 it, it it's it's not political in the same way that uh, that Roseanne addresses these. You know, like nobody is is uh, is talking about the cost of healthcare right. <laughs> or, or or FEMA. But there is this there is absolutely this depiction of of like sort of a desperation. And these are talented people. They're they're interesting and they're educated and they're they're making they're really trying to make their mark and it's just not working out i mean kp will usually spend some records for some scratch up top how much half a stat five hundred dollars am i buying the station everything is who you know then introduce me yeah i'm gonna introduce every dude in atlanta with a mixtape to my boss come on i'm not every dude uh you kind of are look 
I don't have $500. I make $515 plus commission. I gotta pay rent tonight, and my parents won't let me in the house. It's like those drug commercials, only not funny. I think the show um, deals really well with showcasing just how desperate the characters are. Uh, to back up to last season, there's a scene where one of the characters has to pass a drug test mm -hmm. and was um, out smoking uh, marijuana the night before and tries to get a, a kid's urine sample and it's and she ends up with a, a mess all over the place i'll just say that <laughs> but you're like this is how desperate this person is the the length that they're they're going to to hold on to their jobs and you're like the show i mean the show just just really gets it and it it also the racial component um you know all the characters are black and it, it kind of deals with what are the limitations on you? Is there mm -hmm. a ceiling to to how far you can you know to go to be a you know a young black American? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities available for you? And just trying to navigate that can be tricky. And I think the show does a good job, of, right? And and of it's also that. and and what's so significant? And I know we gotta sort of wrap things up here ourselves. Uh, but but like one one thing that's so fascinating about that too is that Atlanta is is kind of like what Atlanta is to the African American community now what like Washington was in the like the sixties and seventies. I mean this is where it's definitely the music, black yeah this is the capital, capital of black America in some ways. Capital, yeah. 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 And and if they're having difficulty there, I mean there's this you know scene where they, they try to figure out like who they're gonna hire as an entertainment lawyer. And Paperboy wants Want somebody who's Jewish, you know, and and not because they're a more talented lawyer, but just because they have more connections. And it's just this really kind of devastating moment. Oh, man, we could do a whole podcast <laughs> on just rappers uh, shouting out Jewish lawyers and, <laughs> and lyrics, actually. But that's for another time. Dare to dream. <laughs> uh, yeah, Atlanta, you know, may not have won the Super Bowl, but I don't think uh, they've, they've never lost a concert. So... As we sort of wrap up, like what what do you think is going to be the ultimate impact, you know, of, of these shows and how people perceive like what are they going to take away from it? You know, because people we talk about television a lot. The Connors got a sort of a government windfall here, right. you know, in, in trying to you know make sure that their house is literally going to be OK. Uh, in, in Atlanta, it's not like that. They're not really going to for any government aid uh, on this. They're really sort of scrapping their way up from the bottom actually the last episodes the name of it is is crabs in a barrel right. I and mean, to, to show you what sort of what sort of the scrappiness the bootstrap aspect of it what is the ultimate impact of these of these two shows are people going to see this connection and are they going to take away similar or dissimilar lessons you think right so there is a a supreme irony here right the the characters who are the the big supporters of the conservative president are the ones who are saved by the government and, you know, the characters in Atlanta who are not are the ones who are actually, you know, kind of bootstrapping it, which is more of a of a conservative message. I'm not sure what the impact will be, but I know what the stated goal is. I mean, just to read a snippet of a quote from Whitney Cummings, who was the ex-showrunner of the Roseanne revival, she talks about being on a call uh, a while back with Michelle Obama, and Michelle Obama was talking about the the impact that seeing gay characters on television was having on the debate around gay marriage. And she says, 
but Michelle Obama filled us in on some metrics indicating that iconic gay characters on TV shows had a big impact on how people across the country thought about gay marriage. And she kind of translated that mode of thinking into creating the new Roseanne. So it's kind of like a big PR operation for Trump supporters. Now you can argue that, you know, why should they even need, you know, PR? What's wrong with that? But as a group, uh, Trump supporters have been uh, criticized and put on this microscope and evaluated many times over since, you know, 2016. So it appears that, you know, that's that's kind of what they're doing here and that's their stated and, goal. And maybe kind of and, and maybe them. the goal is also like that you're I mean so many television shows show people in like young people in New York and Los Angeles. Yes. And this and this is a this these are people who you just don't see portray that often. I think Hake Stuver at the Washington Post he he made a similar like when I was growing up in the Midwest like the Connors like were the only people from the Midwest <laughs> that right. and the and and uh, married with children. I mean it, it was weird to see that represented. You know, we had these brief moments of, you know, some of the Norman Lear movies or uh, shows, you know, and One Day at a Time was set in Indianapolis mm-hmm. and so forth. But you just don't see them portrayed in popular culture in a way that you do people like, again, young people in L.A. and New York who are doing screenwriting and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Well, another thing that Whitney Cummings uh, mentioned when she she fell in love with the original version of Roseanne that aired in the, the 90s is that watching other TV shows like 90210, she felt ugly and poor, but mm-hmm. in watching Roseanne, she saw herself reflected in that, you know, that had a big impact on her self-esteem. So, you know, culture matters. Who gets to see their life portrayed on screen? Like, that that's very important. Clyde, thank you so much for talking about this. I mean, we've been uh, wanting to to do this, and I thought it was it was a good time to do it as the, both of these shows ended their their seasons this month. Thank you so much for, like, you know, stopping by and talking about this. Yeah, I'm glad we got to do it, man. This was a lot of fun. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, you can visit RollCall.com or you can find us on Twitter at RollCall. Thank you for listening.